ESPN Audio and SC Featured presents a 16-episode podcast, Pin Kings. It's the story of two All-American high school wrestlers, teammates, and friends who ultimately ended up on the opposite sides of the war on drugs. Pin Kings is for mature audiences. Welcome to Episode 16, So Miami. Wrestling is a life lesson. Everything you do in wrestling is about discipline. This is Kevin Pedersen. You want a hard kid. You want a tough kid because it's a tough sport. I mean, when you're out there in the middle of the mat, it's just you and the other opponent. You can't blame your shortcomings on anybody else. You can't blame it on all the linemen next to me let the guy in or anything like that. It's just you. You've got to have a tough-nosed kid to start with. A lot of times that comes with baggage, but wrestling will instill in them, if they stick with it, the discipline to cut those edges off and really come out with something powerful. Kevin and Alex were best friends, champion wrestling buddies. The heydays of Miami. Alex Tecubis was clearly a kingpin. It's a, it's a tragic story. The less you know, the more you leave. I wanted to take out the biggest drug dealers. If they were catching him, he's going away for the rest of his life. If they don't kill him when they try to capture him. Could you imagine if Kevin has to shoot Alex? He's a sworn federal agent for a drug enforcement agency. Evil goes to jail, or evil ends up dead. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. My name is John Fish. I'm a producer for ESPN. And I'm Brett Forrest, a senior writer at ESPN The Magazine. Alex DeCubis was sentenced to 30 years under the Kingpin statute. But then he cooperated. And the government reduced his time to nine years. It's kind of unheard of, that kind of reduction. Most of the sentence Alex served at the Federal Detention Center, a prison tower in Miami. Now, that is not meant to house people for, for that long a stretch. It's more of a transit hub. But Alex was participating in so many cases that prosecutors kept him at FDC. So they could just get to him right away. Yeah, it was close to the courthouse. But he didn't go outside once in a many-year period. The windows there are just little slats. And, you know, when we were in Columbia speaking with Jeremy or John at the maximum security prison outside Cali, we told him this, and he just he just scoffed. He said, how many are nine years, ten years? Ah, that's nothing. Well, in 2012, it was all over for Alex. He was apprehended in Columbia in 2003 when he was 45 years old. Now he was coming out of prison at 54 he still had a good portion of his life left before him. When he was released, Felix and I were waiting on the road about 100 feet from the door that he walked out of. This is Scott Chirouse, Alex's old wrestling buddy who led him in his first steps into the drug trade. Everybody's grinning. We you know, had some hugs, and they had given him X number of minutes to get, get to a halfway house. You know, you, oh, you have to report here by, you know, 0930. And I'm a little more nonchalant. Felix had gotten out not too long before, so yeah, 0930, we had better been there. And I was like, screw that, let's go have breakfast. You know, there's a good place on the way. So we stopped for waffles and eggs and maybe steamed tomatoes. Alex loves to eat. The food in the uh, high-rise prison downtown is notoriously horrible. We rushed breakfast more than I thought we needed to to get to the halfway house on time, but he didn't, you know, he didn't want to start out on the wrong foot. 
And then he had uh, several several months there and, and working and trying to put things back together again. It's pretty amazed that he was taking a metro rail sometimes and everybody's nose was in their telephone. And I was visiting there one time and it started raining and he hadn't had a raindrop on his face in 10 years. So he's pretty happy just sitting in the rain, happy to feel the sunshine. We got out in the boat a few times, really happy. Just He's always loved life, and so to be able to get back outside and do that, and somewhat unexpected, there was no guarantee. The first time I saw him was at Coach Zimmer's house. This is Kevin Patterson. When Alex was released, their old wrestling coach from Palmetto High School, Barry Zimbler, he called a bunch of the guys together and invited them over. Pizza and beer, a little get-together. Zindler was doing this as a way to welcome Alex back to normal life, to support him, to let him know that there were people who cared about him. But this brought up some old tensions, Kevin continues. I was really reluctant to go. I didn't want it to be a celebration about Alex Cubas. I didn't want it to be a glorified moment for Alex Cubas. I felt that Alex Cubas should have thrown a dinner party for somebody else. I think that Coach Zimber maybe should have thrown a couple dinner parties for other people. When Dom Gorey, the astronaut, was in town, Coach Zimber should have invited him over. I just didn't feel it was appropriate to say, hey, welcome home. Although, I know the Bible clearly in the prodigal son says that's what the father did, right? The father, when the prodigal son returned, the father didn't even wait for him to come to the porch. It says, the Bible says that the father ran to the son. The right thing to do was probably to open arms and embrace. But in that, maybe I was like the prodigal son's brother who was saying, well, wait a minute, Dad. I did everything you ever asked me to do. I did it all. Where's my party? Where's my dinner? And of course, the father said, you've got all yours. It's yours regardless. And I think that's the message maybe that I taught myself in that I need to get past that and I need to go. And then they see each other. He was in the kitchen. Just as always, big hug, big hug. Any feelings or emotions when you saw him? Kind of like relief that, you know, this is finally over. I mean, I know he's still on probation, but he's out of prison. The worst of it's all over. And, and, and I'm hoping for him, you know, he's got the future ahead of him. He can live the life that he wants to live. What did you and Alex talk about at Coach Zimbler's house? About some of the ways that I was doing investigations and some of the guys I arrested and some guys who cooperated, some guys didn't. Kind of funny stories. Alex talked about it, how free he felt while he was in Columbia before he was arrested. He's glad now that everything's behind him. Small circles they've traveled in. They even realized that they had unwittingly worked for some of the same people. That's right. Kevin had laundered money for a few Colombian cartel figures who had partnered with Alex on operations. I mean, there's no way to know for certain, but it's very possible that Kevin laundered money from Alex's trafficking business. <laughs> it's crazy. Here's Kevin. I remember at one point in time we were talking, Alex and Scott Schraus and I started talking near the end, a lot of people had left, and uh, my brother was off talking to one of the other wrestlers that he had wrestled with. We started talking about some of the, you know, things we did, things I did for DEA, how we did them. We were laughing how similar some things are. I remember at one point in time I said, hey, you want to see something funny? And I took my badge out. We all three stood together, somebody took a picture of us with the badge kind of pointing at it. And it was kind of like a, kind of like a closing. Alex was out and free, although he still had five years of supervised release, which means he had a parole officer, he had to check in all the time, he couldn't travel outside of his local area, that sort of thing. And now Kevin was going through a big change of his own. 
it's interesting how their lives paralleled each other at so many points over the years. Kevin Pedersen was 54 years old at this point, and now something was really tugging at him. I had a longing, a real longing, to coach. And I just knew it was time. I mean, I had gotten to a point where I had accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish at DEA. There's nothing else I could have done. It got to a point where I felt I was just going into work to go to work, and I didn't need to be there. And so I really felt it was time to start something new. I don't think I could have done anything more than I did at DEA. I'm extremely proud of the career that I had at DEA. I've got the awards to prove it. I think we did some innovative things. I know I couldn't have worked any harder than I did. As soon as I retired, at my retirement party, was the uh, administrator of the school my daughter goes to, Westminster Christian School, A-Rod School. He knew me from high school. He was also a Sunday school teacher of mine when I was a young man. And he said, Kevin, you always told me you wanted to get back into coaching, that you really loved it. While he was at the DEA, Kevin had gotten back into the business that he had learned under his former father-in-law, the tire business for automobiles. By the time he left the DEA and retired, he owned two Goodyear tire stores in South Florida. So he had the ability to take a volunteer position as the head coach of the wrestling team at Westminster Christian School. Ironically, down the street from Palmetto High School. Here's Kevin. I love the sport. I'm drawn to the sport. It's part of me. I coach because I know that I'm supposed to coach. I'll be honest with you, I don't know that, it, that I get anything out of it. Does that make sense? It's not for me. It's not about me. Wrestling hasn't changed much at all. Wrestling is still wrestling. Stay low, get behind, you know, move fast. It's all the same. My biggest concern was the student athlete. How have they changed? Are they what I already had a perception in my mind of? Or are they more concerned about playing a video game as opposed to getting out on the mat and really working hard? I had people tell me, if you push these kids hard, they'll quit. So I went into it with with an open mind, let's see what this is all about. I just wanted to be there. I wanted to help in any way. If they needed somebody to clean the mats, I'll clean the mats. I wanted to get back into the great sport of wrestling. Now, this wasn't the powerhouse that Palmetto had been in the 70s. Kevin planned to rip it down and build it back up, just as Zimbler had done. And Kevin even brought his old coach down to a meet. Things were coming full circle. I know the experience that I had to have my wrestling coach, former wrestling coach, sit in the corner with me and coach with me, it was awesome. It was very rewarding for me. So in that sense, it could be very rewarding. I mean, you know, those dreams of, hey, could we coach a kid up and, and really see it happen? When Kevin was in high school, what happened on the wrestling mat, the outcome had been the most important thing in life for him. But now with all the things that he had been through, he knew that wrestling was only a lesson for life. All these years later, he still connected with his old coach, he knew what kind of influence he could have on these kids who were now wrestling for him. Here's Kevin. I can be their mentor. I can be the person that they can call on. I can be the person that they can look up to. I can be a role model for them. Young people today really need that. There's a lot of good that comes out of young kids today. I've seen a lot of bad from young people. Now I'm getting to see the good side of young people. So for me, it's very rewarding, but I also, I wanna be a role model. I, I wanna be in a position to where I can help these kids. And he would often think about his old wrestling pal. Whenever Alex would come to my mind, you know, I often think, how can I help him? Through the conversations that I've had with him whenever I've seen him, I realized in my mind from his conversations that he really wasn't doing anything for anybody else. I know he's trying to put food on a table or taking care of his probation. 
I know if like a person's depressed, the best way to, for me, I think, to get out of the depression is to go do something for somebody else. You know, get out of your own world. As much as Kevin loved coaching, as much as he felt the natural role of coaching worked for him, he realized that he had a real blind spot. He knew how to coach the lower weight classes. When it comes to technique, he had been the guy. He had been the little technician that wrestled to perfection. But the upper weight classes, the heavyweights, for them it's all about power. You need technique, but at the high school level, the bigger kids rely more on brute force. And if you're a lightweight, you have to learn how to coach that. As Kevin explains, he didn't know that world. I don't know how to train these big guys. And I've got one kid that's very, very promising, 220-pounder. Great kid. One of the greatest kids I've ever met. I feel bad because I don't know how to train him because I'm teaching him to do what a 110-pounder does. So it came to my mind. I said, I don't even know if it's possible, but wouldn't it be nice and wouldn't it be good for both parties if I could just get them together just to work out once in a while, just to say, hey, this is the mindset of what a champion at the heavier weights does because I know this kid's mind is so eager for that and I feel bad that I can't give it to him. So I call him, call Alex. I said, hey, would you think about doing this? How good would it even look, Alex? You know, you're on probation and you're with the DEA agent and you're giving back and you're helping kids. Oh, yeah, he says, what do you do that? He says, Kevin, I'd do anything for you, anything. I said, well, why don't you consider helping me? Just helping me. And I, you know, told him, hey, I had Coach Zumber over coaching with me the other night. I had a home match. I had him in the corner coaching with me. He said, you had Coach Zumber coaching with you? I said, yeah. He said, he couldn't see anything, but he could still scream at him. I said, but it was the joy of his life. He was crying. He was in tears while he was sitting there coaching with me. You know, it didn't cost a dollar to do that. I said, so why don't you just consider that? What if he actually helped this 220-pounder, you know, make it to the state tournament? That's a great story, isn't it? And how much good would come out of that? A ton. For the kid, for him, for me. We don't try, it won't happen. In a wild twist to the story, Kevin asked Alex to help him be an assistant coach at the Westminster Christian School. Kevin remembers his friend's reaction. I think it floored him. Because you don't have to jump through some hoops. I don't even know if I can get it done. I don't know if, you know, if the powers on high would say, well, you can't do that. But I think we can do that. I think it's very doable. I'm getting a little teary-eyed. It was a big moment for me to ask him, but I think it was a big, big moment for him that somebody actually reached out and said, hey, I'll give you a shot at something. Come help me. And this is when this story, the story of Kevin Pedersen and Alex DeCubis, came full circle. My name is Alex DeCubis, A-L-E-X-D-E-C-U-B-A-S. I was a fugitive for almost 13 years. Alex DeCubis took the position as an assistant wrestling coach at Westminster Christian School. It's incredible that, you know, a guy who was working as a law enforcement officer would support a guy who took the path that I took. It took a lot of heart and a lot of balls to do what he did. You know, I'm sure he took flack from his, his people. He didn't care. He's a good friend, you know. It's the most you can expect out of a friend. He's trying to help me to get back over there on the mats, to be a part of the team. My past is my past, and we can move on. But Alex's past is so colorful, if you will, that it's just totally Bigfoot's whatever comes after it. And even he understands this. 
I went way, way deep. I mean, uh, I worked with the biggest drug lords known to the history of cocaine. Uh, I worked with the Cali cartel, I worked with the Medellin cartel, I worked with uh, Julio Nasser out of Barranquilla, who was the biggest cocaine and marijuana smuggler out of Barranquilla. Pablo Escobar backed us up in Medellin. And now, life is a little bit different for Alex DeCubis. Here's his old friend and smuggling partner, Scott Schraus. Well, he's working. He's had a few friends that have given him employment. There's no quick fix. So it's, you know, struggling. And, and then also he hasn't been able to travel. He hasn't been able to do the stuff that you might want to do to start a business, let's say. So it's difficult. Alex is adjusting back to the real world. It's difficult at times. He, he doesn't understand some people's motivation or, or actually sometimes he doesn't understand how if somebody's frugal or cheap or mean or selfish he doesn't get it. The thrill is gone. Now the thrill is trying to, to get by in the real world, which in, in some ways is tougher than the drug world. Felix Chitiva was Alex's trafficking partner and friend down in Colombia. He had also been convicted and served time, so he has a valuable perspective on what Alex was going through. Here's Felix. He's doing amazing. He lost everything that he had, but he's still doing amazing. He's working normal. I'm working normal. We appreciate the second opportunity or the third or fourth. I don't even know how many opportunities life and God gave us. We're having a, we're just living life, enjoying our kids, our parents, and do what we're supposed to do. That's it. Normally, we go eat, go to a game. I don't go to strip clubs. I'm married, so I'm pretty sure that he doesn't party that much, he doesn't party wild like before. He's doing exercise and training kids. We always see each other go boating sometimes. Sometimes we went fishing, things like that. Normal things that friends do. Bowling, John. Can you picture it? These two guys, Alex DeCubis and Felix Chitiva, the former drug lords at the bowling alley. Yeah, it's especially hard to picture, especially when you remember what kind of life he used to lead. Here's Scott Schraus again. Alex made a lot, a lot of money, and he's told me there was times it got to where he, would, he wouldn't pick up a pencil and start figuring out a project if he wasn't going to make at least a million dollars. Where did it go? It's hard to party away $10 million. The way Alex lived his life, you could almost imagine that, though, partying away $10 million. But still, so much money flowed through his hands over the years. It really makes you wonder. Well, Alex made a lot of money during his smuggling career. Where is it? I don't know. You gotta ask him. I don't know. I don't ask. He doesn't ask me. I don't ask questions like that. That's a question that you don't ask. But you did ask, Alex. You've run some pretty big numbers by us. Where is all that money? As my son says, I spend it all on hookers. And this is the assistant wrestling coach at Westminster. It's so Miami. Alex is everything that Kevin is against. This is Dom Gorey a former Palmetto wrestling teammate. It's a surprise to me that Alex is in the, in the room because even where we were a year and a half ago when Kevin was pretty hostile when it came to thinking about Alex, what choices he'd made. Now, I think this, this entire circle that we've come that has allowed not only Kevin to be together with Alex, but to, be, to allow Alex and him to become partners again, to be as close as they are rapidly, it seems, becoming. It's truly something that 
Alex has needed to have that kind of influence. And I think it needs, it's something that Kevin's needed as well. When he reacted to the mention of Alex's name, he became a different person. It became somebody he probably doesn't even want to acknowledge. But now, not only to think about spending time together, they are like partners. He's his assistant. That's going to soften this side of Kevin that, that Alex brought out maybe the worst in him. Because I've never really seen him that kind of hostile and angry. As I talk to Kevin now, he's sort of complimentary of Alex in many ways. So there's a healing going on both sides for sure. He knows that he can have a positive influence on Alex. He knows that he can do something for Alex that Alex probably can't do for himself, which is pretty powerful, more powerful than what Barry Zimbler did for Alex. Alex has got a life that is pulling him and you know that there's guys out there that say are saying, Alex, come on, let's go out and do what we used to do or whatever. That draw is huge. But what I can see right now is that Alex is in that room. He's in that room every day with Kevin. They're working out. They're doing the right thing. They're a positive influence on these kids and on each other. Hopefully that is enough. For most people it would be. For Alex, I, I don't know. I, I know what I hope. There's salvation there for anybody. But Kevin is aware of the hurdles that face both of them. As a DEA agent, I arrested a lot of people. I put a lot of people in jail. Prosecuted a lot of people. Worked with a lot of people who I prosecuted, who saw the light of day and want to reduce their sentence and work to do so. What I look for is redemption qualities in people. Is there humility? Are they sorry? Are they regretful? Many times you see a lack of humility. Many times you see a lack of remorse. To me, that'd be pretty evident. If someone's sorry for what they did, I think you'd see that in anything. And it just could be me. Try not to judge, but I'd like to see more humility. In anyone who says, hey, I did wrong. I'm sorry I did wrong. I think they should want to make amends. When people that want to turn from something, I think you want to see that they actually start giving. I think Alex is early in the process. I sense a real humility in his heart. I really genuinely do see that in his heart. I feel that from him. I hear it when I talk to him. And I think that he wants to give back. I think he wants to do something to show that he really is remorseful for what's happened. How genuine is Alex today? I don't know that yet. I don't know that yet. When will you know that? When I know it. I know I've been blessed with discernment, so I've never really been fooled. I could be fooled, but I'm gonna pray that I'm not fooled. How concerned are you that Alex might slide back into his old ways? Very, very, because I've seen it so many times. It's human nature in a sense. When you have an informant, get ready to arrest the informant because someday you're probably going to be arrested. And only Alex can control that. I don't think anybody can coach you to not go the wrong direction. On one hand, you can imagine how Alex could be a bad influence on these kids. I mean, remember what you were like back in high school. I mean, your, your brain isn't even all there. But on the other hand, Alex is kind of like an, an object lesson of what not to do. Here's Alex. I know what it takes to be a champion. I know the difference between right and wrong. It takes a lot to be a champion. And I'd like to share that, you know, with some, some guys who want to go that route. Oh, I could teach them some of the moves that I perfected and, and instruct them how important it is to be in shape and to focus and basically to be fearless, you know. Wrestling is a lot mental. 
Also, if you go in there thinking that you're stronger and more powerful than the other guy, that's a big plus. That's something I'd like to instill in, in young guys that you know maybe are a little bit apprehensive about getting out there. I get goosebumps. Unfortunately, my knees won't let me roll around much on the mats. I feel like you know putting the uniform back on and putting the wrestling shoes back on and getting at it. You know, it never goes away. We went to the practices. We went to the meets. We saw them coaching together. It works. It's a miracle, but it works. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see how things have flipped. Because in high school, Alex was the guy with the big personality. Kevin was the one who let his wrestling do all the talking for him. But now at practices, Kevin is the extrovert. He's the one yelling and screaming and encouraging and giving the kids direction. Alex is off to the side working with the big guys. He's kind of in the background. He's speaking quietly to them. So things have totally flipped. But Alex and Kevin have been able to rekindle the connection that they once had. Here's Alex. The time we spent uh, training for wrestling, keeping a strict routine, becoming champions, both of us, that's a bond you can never break. We hated to lose. We were passionate, passionate about winning. We were extremely competitive. And so that is a strong, strong bond in any sport, on any team. The past was the thing that they could hold on to. Here's Kevin. Well, you can only concentrate on the things that you know from back then because everything now is new. I mean, the last thing we were going to talk about was drugs, right? <laughs> but that's what we probably knew the most about. But we avoid that like the plague. Both of us knew a lot about drugs. I got some nice awards from DEA because I knew what I was doing as far as an investigator. But that was the last thing we were going to talk about. So the easy thing for us to do was talk about wrestling. It's pretty crazy when you think about the risk that Kevin is taking here. I mean, Alex is the one with everything to gain. He's the one who gets to take these steps back into normal life. But why does Kevin do it? Here's Scott Shirouse. Kevin, he's still the all-American kid. He's a great guy. He's the way you want your son to turn out. And he's been totally non-judgmental. He's comfortable with who he is. And I think he sees part of his mission in life is helping other people. And he's been totally non-judgmental, good guy. Going back through Kevin's story, you see this time and again how he encourages people to get the best out of themselves. It's more like getting the good from yourself. You're following positive tendencies within yourself. And Kevin is watching Alex. There's no doubt about that. Here's Kevin. I think that he feels that he let a lot of people down. I know that he told Coach Zimber at one point in time that he felt like he let him down. I think that he sees me as the straight arrow guy. He sees me as the guy that there was no question where this guy's going. I think there's part of him that would like to be that straight arrow guy. Scott Jurous, who remains a close friend of Alex's, has an interesting perspective on the experience. Here's Scott. Alex is having a ball and Kevin does it. And it's a work of love because the hours you put in and the work it is, is, is huge. Alex, talk, he'll tell, tell me, I got this certain kid and he's doing well and this other one and the things they need to work on. Don't tell anybody, but he wishes that Kevin would have more practices, longer practices. He said, man, I don't, I don't want these kids to lose. We got to work harder. Nobody thought he's going to have this opportunity to coach, but he's really enjoying it. When things go well, you don't learn that much. So the, it's the bumps in the road that, that teach you how to maneuver. But man, how tough it must be for Alex to assume this the life of new rules. He never lived by any rules. And now here he is. This is Jim Burke of the Boca Raton Police Department. Alex has to stop being a drug dealer and start being a regular citizen, coming to work nine to five. Can Alex do that? I don't know. Alex has to tell you that. It's important. I think he has the intellect to, to do a job, 
I think the lure of easy money is always out there. Here's a career drug dealer, a career drug smuggler. I hope that he finds the time to go straight. John, you know, it hasn't been easy for Alex, but should it be? You think about all of the cocaine that he brought into this country, the cost that that had for the taxpayer, the cost it had for people who were lost to addiction. It kind of should be tough for Alex. He's been able to build some sort of relationship with Alex Jr. In fact, Alex Jr. is married. He and his wife recently had their first child. So Alex Alex experienced a life moment. Yeah. Yeah. Remember the last time he'd seen his son, Alex Jr., Alex Jr. was only six years old and uh, Alex became a fugitive. There's this life moment where Alex became a grandfather for the first time and he was able to be there. And it's something he could he could never have imagined. Now, Alex has another son. Danny, he had through a relationship with a Colombian woman. And he and Danny now live together in Miami. And let's make no bones about it. Fathering with Danny has been tough for Alex. There's a lot of resentment there, a lot of pain, a lot of anger. Here's Alex. It's been very, very difficult. You know, I'm a single father. He had a chip on his shoulder being separated from me for so long. He had strange thoughts in his mind. And I've tried to show him that his father's here to stay and he's going to support him. Every now and then he'll ask me a question. I know that's coming from one of his friends. I try not to make light of my past at all. And my biggest fear, him being born in Colombia, would be for him to go back to that country and getting caught up into my lifestyle. What does he ask you? He'll ask me, what did it look like for you know an airplane flying overhead and dropping bales out of the sky? How many boats did you run across in one run? I'd say, you know, all that's irrelevant. Yes. Alex did a lot of things, but he paid his penalty. He did his time, and some people who know the story well say, hey, he didn't do enough time. But the courts judged it, and now he's out, and he's a free man. He still has plenty of life left to lead. How is he going to lead that life going forward? Here's Kevin. Well, I go back to redemption. I believe all of us have been forgiven for many things in life, me included. Me at the top of the list. And there comes a point in time in everybody's life, and it may be in Alex's right now, where you got to have to put that behind you and reach forward. And if somebody doesn't give him a door that's open, he's never going to have that opportunity. Now, he's got to walk through the door. I think that's what we're supposed to do. I think we're supposed to help people. I care about them. I know the potential that's in them. I don't want them to go back the other direction. If I can help keep them from going back the other direction, I will. I sensed from him that the look on his face when he walked into that wrestling room was not the look on his face when he walked into that courtroom. It was the exact opposite. That's a change. That's a process, I get that. And I'm not a fool. And I'm not, I'm not blinded by anything. But that was a complete change. And if I've had any role in that change, good. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. But I'm not going to condemn him. I mean, he's paid his price. He has an opportunity to do good. Doesn't mean that he will. But I'm going to encourage him to do it. A lot of what I did was wrong. Kind of hard to put in words, but, you know, some guys think that everything they do, even if it is wrong, is right. And I'm definitely not one of those guys, so... You know, I know laws are there for a reason. I just got caught up in breaking the law. 
And that's what this story is really all about, I think, John. Redemption, forgiveness, friendship. Sports. Sports is really the vehicle for all of that. It's allowed them to get back together. Without it, you probably don't have this story. Yeah, probably not. I mean, sports is the thing that these two guys shared, even though they were so different. And it's that bond that they forged in the 70s through wrestling. It's incredibly still there for them today, all these years later. And Alex DeCubis puts it all together for us. Looking back after everything I've been through, some things seem surreal. I wake up in the morning, I look at myself in the mirror. I'm very content to be back here in my home soil, surrounded by my family and my dear old friends. And I really sometimes I can't believe the things that I went through and I was fortunate enough to come out alive and a better person for what I've been through. Kevin and I have been friends for a long, long time. He's lived a very distinguished life, and I've lived basically the opposite. Here we are, back full circle. I feel proud to have him as my friend, and uh, I hope he always will be till the end of my days. Thank you for listening to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. You can follow Pin Kings on Twitter at ESPN Pin Kings. That's at ESPN Pin Kings. Don't miss an episode. You can listen and subscribe to the Pin Kings podcast in the ESPN app or download and listen on Apple Podcasts.